It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Wizards, your daily Washington Wizards podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Wizards podcast. This is your host, Ed Oliver. You can follow me on Twitter at edt T. Uh, before we get started, make sure you guys check out Thursdays on the Locked On NBA podcast with Jackson Gatlin and Matt Moore. They're telling you whose NBA stock is up and who's now. Follow the Locked On NBA podcast today on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. And today we have special guest, John Heiser, a Bullets Forever contributor. How are you feeling today, man? Feels good. It's been a good Wednesday so far. Let's keep it going. Yes, sir. And uh, he's uh, he's actually wearing a Marching Gortat shirt. Uh, you know, we all I, I'm, I'm, I was a huge Gortat fan, so it's just pretty funny to see the Polish hammer, you know, t-shirt. But yeah, yeah we're man, gonna... we got to represent the Polska. I mean, there's like one Polish guy in the whole NBA, so let's celebrate him. Right, right. <laughs> so. <laughs> Today we're going to get into um, – we're going to compare the starting lineups for the Eastern Conference. We're going to rank the starting lineups uh, and see where the Wizards fit in and where they compare. Also, uh, ESPN came up with their rankings with the 100 to 51. We're going to see where uh, – if any Wizards fitted in, in, um, made it into the top 100. Um, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, we'll see where he finished and we'll react to that. And uh, we'll just talk about some Wizards offseason stuff. Also, to start off the show – some announcements and roster moves were made. Uh, do not forget, media day is Monday. So the NBA is finally coming back. I can't wait. I'm excited to finally talk about some games and some actual uh, games and competition. I, I just can't wait. I'm just excited to see media day. And then also the Wizards uh, did make some roster moves. They signed the following players to Exhibit 10 contracts. Uh, Jamie Echenique, Jordan Goodwin, Jay Huff from UVA, Jordan Goodwin, I went to St. Louis, Jamie Echenique went to Wichita State, and they did sign uh, Jordan Shackle uh, to exhibit 10 concerts. So these guys are going to be trying out uh, in the training camp and also, um, you know, if they don't make the roster, they'll most likely be on the Capital City go-go. So um, just good news and nuggets to hear on that. So um, let's start off on the starting five here. So, John, how do you feel? Who, who do you have in your Wizards starting lineup? I've asked that a lot and talked about that a lot this all season. Who do you have? And how do you look at the Wizards rotation this season? We have a lot of wings. Uh, you know, we brought in Kyle Kuzma. We still have Davies Bertans. We drafted Corey Kispert. Um, you know, you drafted Isaiah Todd. You got KCP now. I mean, you still have Rui, Denny. I mean, we're, we're loaded at the wing spot. You know, last year we didn't have a lot of wings. We got Isak Bonga, Anthony Gill for our death. So, I think we upgraded uh, for sure at the wing spot. Uh, how do you how how do you feel? Um, who do you think should be in that starting lineup day one? And and how do you think how do you see the rotation going for the Washington Wizards? You know, I love uh, I really like the idea of starting with Kuzma at the three. Uh, he's a guy that when you look at everyone they brought in, it's like who's going to 
who's going to become something that they quite haven't met yet? You know, who's got some more steps to take? I think Kuzma is a perfect example of bigger role. What can he do with it? So I've got Kuzma at the three. I know that's where a lot of people start with the start questions. I think Rui's the team wants him at four. Um, but with their size and wingspan and defense, they can they can kind of get away with mixing and matching. And if you get a cross match defensively, it's not the end of the world. Um, so I, I kind of like those two there. Uh, Gafford at the five. I don't think Harold's really a, a legit starting center option. He's just he's the perfect enforcer to come off the bench. So I'm, I'm cannibalizing my bench unit already. But we'll leave Harold there. We've got Gafford who can hold it down. We'll see what happens when Bryant comes back because I think I really like what Gafford and Bryant could pot- potentially do is just a one-two punch either way. And then obviously you got Dinwiddie at point guard, and I think a lot of the season's going to hinge on on him. How healthy? How healthy is he? How much can he do? What can he look like that guy that was sometimes carrying the nets at times uh, when they were going through their injury ravaged season under Kenny Atkinson and obviously finish up with the, the number one man is Beal, uh, who, again, I, I think what they've done, when you looked at some of the starting lineups last year and those stretches where we had Mo Wagner uh, starting at center and, and Garrison starting at the three, who's was, was really just, you know, that guy they put in the corner for a while to, to hit shots. You know, if, if Russ wasn't going to take a shot, if Brad wasn't going to take a shot, they needed a pressure release. And it was kind of that third guy. And now when you look at it, it's like, okay, when Brad starts dealing, he's actually got legit NBA players in those spots. Uh, no harm intended to the players that I mentioned earlier, but, you know, kicking it to a Kuzma uh, who shot 36% and seems to be training up or kicking it to a Rui, who shot excellently in the playoffs and seems like he's putting the work in, you know, that's a little different. Or even I think Dinwiddie's catch and shoot is a question, um, but it's not as much of a question as some of the other guys that we've kind of seen over the past, gosh, now two years since the, they kind of went into this new phase under, under Tommy Shepard. So I, I think that sets up the bench the best as well. And that's why I know some folks like uh, Caldwell Pope as a three, I think he'll play it. I think he'll defend it regardless of where who else is on the floor. I just don't start him because if you start Kuzma, I think that's also plays into who he thinks he is. You know, if you listen to some of the Lakers media, they're like, this guy thinks, you know, he's just biding his time before supernova. Right. So, so that's why I think Kuzma makes the most sense starting. And then you've got off the bench, you've got this kind of holiday netto, who's the first point guard off the bench. I think that's to be determined. Uh, I think they like Neto and, and they feel that he's consistent and he's going to give them the defense. They brought in Holiday to be a bigger version of him, right? Because we saw what happened to Neto in the playoffs. So I think that's a question mark. But otherwise, it's KCP is the first guard off the bench. You've got Bertans becomes that first forward off the bench. So you've kind of got defense and offense there. You've got Harrell who, like I said, I, I love as an enforcer and, and can get buckets and do some damage inside. So that's kind of that core. There's eight-man rotation right there, depending on what happens at point guard. And then Denny, what are we going to get? What are we going to see? He's been healthy. He could have played in July in the summer league. He's been here uh, predominantly working with staff. So can he become a secondary ball handler, which is what that unit's going to need because Holiday is not – like a classic point guard. Neto's not a classic point guard. KCP isn't, uh, is more of a catch and shoot. He's a low usage guy. So all of a sudden you're like, wow, this is actually a great spot for Denny to be a secondary ball handler on a unit. 
And there's that's a pretty good 10-man rotation right there. And then, you know, I know Tommy likes his the security blankets at forward of, of Gill uh, and Neto kind of round that group out. And on suddenly we're we're talking about a team that is 12 deep. Uh, you can't play 12 a night, but it's Coach Unseld Jr.'s uh, job to figure out how to, you know, get those best 10 in there at least, right? Yeah, I like everything that you said from the starters um, to the backups. I mean, Denny is that wild card. I mean, where is he going to fit in? Is You know, I think it, it is best for him to be that primary ball handler with that bench unit, um, seeing where Dobby's Bertans ends up on the bench as well, being that shooter off the bench. And then um, training camp's coming up. So a huge training camp battle will be uh, Howell Neto and Aaron Holiday. They're, they're going to be fighting for backup minutes. And I, I like KCP coming off the bench as well because I feel like the Wizards, we just haven't had a backup two guard. Uh, we've been searching for that guy to come off the bench and fill in. We, we tried Jerome Robinson last year, uh, but it just didn't work out. Former first-round pick, so uh, we wish him the best. But I think KCP would be great. Kuzma, um, like you said, he has the confidence. He believes in himself, and I think he is one of the Lakers that definitely can improve. Um, a long list of Lakers that left, Jordan Clarkson, D'Angelo Russell, uh, Brandon Ingram. I just think he's one of those guys that, that, that has a chance to improve on the trajectory. He'll get more shots and, you know, less expectations, less pressure not playing with LeBron, not having the expectations of winning a championship every year in, in D.C. So I think he can improve. He'll get more shots, more opportunities. And then Rui's development is huge as well. How, how he's going to play with Kyle Kuzma, how he's going to play with, with Spencer Dinwiddie. I think Spencer Dinwiddie is going to be a great facilitator with Daniel Gafford. I love what I saw from Daniel Gafford last year. Uh, I feel like he can average a double-double. Just has to get in shape. Um, and I think the only thing stopping him really was playing time. So I'm intrigued to see this starting five. But before we start comparing starting fives to the Eastern Conference, where we believe that the Wizards could stack up in the Eastern Conference, this episode is brought to you by DirecTV. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live. Another lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone. And you got your neighbor's best friends vlogging for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment love without the hassle. It's called DirecTV Stream. And it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. This episode is also brought to you by Sleeper. In 2018, the fantasy sports expert at Sleeper realized that fantasy basketball was broken. Games were being won and lost based on whose player had more scheduled games that week. It made no sense. It required very little strategy. So in 2020, Sleeper released a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball. It's called Game Pick, and it's only available on Sleeper. And Game Pick owners pick a single game per week for each starter to count towards their team's total score, ensuring an even number of games played between opponents. The days of losing because your opponent's players simply had more scheduled games to play in that week are over. In Game Picks, you pick one game per week for each player based on player matchups, home versus away, opponent's defensive ranking, pace of play, and more. All of that adds up to more strategy and less busy work. Whether you prefer redraft, keeper, or dynasty, game picks have you covered. Sleeper cracked the fantasy basketball code. If you play fantasy football, if you prefer building out a weekly strategy versus daily busy work, you're going to love game picks. Download the Sleeper app and start a league with your friends today. You will not be disappointed. Create awareness around Sleeper's one-of-a-kind fantasy basketball experience from game pick. It's a one-of-a-kind experience. Game pick is the most strategic fantasy basketball experience in the industry. All right, so let's hop back into it. Um, so I would say the Nets are probably – they probably had the best starting five just because, you know, 
Kevin Durant, Kyrie, and uh, James Harden. So I think that one is pretty easy right there. And then you the took Bucks. my number one. You did. You took my yeah. number one. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Bucks, you know, Drew Holiday. They got Dante DiVincenzo coming back. Uh, Chris Middleton, Giannis, Brooke Lopez, defending champs. Um, so it gets a little dicey right here, I would say. Um, you know, last year I would probably probably say the Sixers before we, you know, saw the yeah. meltdown with Ben Simmons. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, Doc Rivers actually came out today and said that he believes that he can win a championship. I don't know if we believe Doc Rivers at all on that part. Um, <laughs> but it looks like, you know, Ben Simmons – Ben Simmons, he already said it himself. He's not coming back to the Sixers. So, they're kind of up in the air. The Hawks, I got them at four in my opinion. I got Trey Young, Bogdanovich, uh, DeAndre Hunter, or if they decided to start uh, Gallinari. John Collins, I like Clint, I like Clint Capella. And I, I got the Heat at, at five, Kyle Lowry, uh, Duncan Robinson. I think I think Victor Oladipo will come off the bench. Jimmy Butler, P.J. Tucker, Bam Adebayo. And then uh, I actually like the Bulls at six with Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and uh, Patrick Williams, Nikola Vucevic. I thought they just made some really, really good moves this offseason. Alex Caruso will probably come off the bench. And um, after that, it's kind of a toss-up. I'm gonna pick. You got the Knicks, Celtics, Wizards, Pacers. Hornets, um, how did you have it ranked out? And who did you have at three? Did you have... At three, it is so hard for me because – I know, I know. That's what I'm asking because I was like, I tracked yeah. you on the other ones. But... It's so hard because if the Sixers – if Ben – Ben Simmons is such a wild card, but then again, they lost to the Hawks with, um, with Ben Simmons. But on paper, you would say the Sixers with Ben Simmons with, – you know, potential with what you expect for them to do. But of course, you know, Ben Simmons, you know, he hasn't, he just hasn't had confidence in the playoffs at all. Um, and I like Seth Curry, I like Danny Green, and I like Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid. Um, so on paper, they're realistically supposed to be the third best team. Um, but I, for right now, I would say I would put the Hawks at three. Okay. And then I would play, I would put the Sixers at four and the Heat at five and the Bulls at six. I have the Bulls at six as well. I think that makes a lot of sense. I actually bumped Miami to third. Uh, and maybe that's just because I'm a believer. Because we've seen Jimmy Butler just drag a team, literally throw a team on his shoulders and drag it to the finals. Uh, plus Bam Adebayo, who's, who's an amazing athlete. And just you call him a center, but he's just a basketball player. He can do so much. And then you add... Uh, Kyle Lowry to that healthy Kyle Lowry because this is you know beginning of the season so it's healthy 35 year old Kyle Lowry we'll see what that I think they're banking on him making it through or managing all of their health you know some of the older folks that they have there and the players that managing that come playoff time but if we're just talking about five on five then I've got to go with with that the Jimmy Butler killer instinct kind of trumps a lot for me and then I had Atlanta at four because they're just very well constructed. We've saw, you know, they got to the Eastern Conference Finals. Trey Young, even though Trey Young's changing the game and they, they're making and change the rules. Uh, so I don't think he's going to come yeah. down a ton, right? You know, like they're going to they're gonna take some of those plays away from him. But he didn't, you know, I don't know that he used them as a crush. I don't like those plays. I'm glad they're gone. Um, I thought they were always offensive fouls and there were room within the rules to call them offensive fouls regardless but they just say all right we need to change the rules okay we need to have another two paragraphs about what a foul is okay <laughs> um what is, what is the catch anymore right so i had atlanta for like you said I, I just like the way they're set up with trey bogdanovich deandre hunter come back healthy 
that's a whole thing. If he's not, you still put Herter in there, and he's a two-way player. Uh, he's a two-way player that was creating shots for them in the playoffs. So then Capella, I think, is is underrated, you know, led the league in, in rebound percentage, I think. I mean, he's uh, still defends in, inside. I thought that was one a great train robbery when they got him from the Hawks. Um, and like you said, they, they still have other pieces they can mix and match with if they want. But John Collins is, again, you assume he's going to continue ascending. So I had Atlanta at four. I was right there with you and trying to rank and figure out what's going on with Philly and saying, okay, number one in the Eastern Conference last year, they have an MVP and an all-defensive team player and Tobias Harris who can get you 20 and eight probably on a pretty regular basis. That's pretty strong. And then you put a Tar Heel next. So Danny Green, okay, that you're, I'm sold. But we also know Ben Simmons says he's not going to play there anymore. So, uh, and I, it's probably best for that franchise that Ben Simmons not play there anymore. It just might take a while because they're at this weird kind of standoff position where the Sixers don't want him back because they don't want him to get hurt because they're trying to trade him. And you can't, you can't trade somebody if they're injured. So they want to stay safe. Uh, ben Simmons doesn't want to play there and be in that environment and, and, you know, he's looking for greener pastures. So, so I did bump down. I basically bumped Philly down to this is – you still have an MVP on your team, and you still have Simmons who uh, – they can stay five. They could come back up. If they can get an immediate return, if they can bite the bullet and, and throw everything for, for Dame Lillard, great. You know, then, then they're right back up there because I think, you know, the other pieces, the way they're constructed, they could still have a top five starting five. Uh, Chicago, I feel like Levine, that's kind of headline. I looked at it as a headliners. Levine and Vucicic are their, uh, Vucicic is their, their headliner. Uh, Lonzo comes in. It's to be, to be determined. I don't know that he played a lot of classic point guard for the Pelicans, but they're kind of leaning on him for that. Uh, so that's kind of a, we'll see. They've got Pat Williams at the four who played really well. Still, still a young guy. He was a rookie last year. So really impressive athlete. So I think the only concern there is, are they putting too many people in his way? Because DeRozan needs the ball. I'm not a huge DeRozan fan, but he did create a lot of shots last year uh, when he played and he did make a difference, but he was also kind of hidden by the Spurs at four a lot because they had so many other guards and wings that they could move him around. So DeRozan was one of those big splashy sign and trade I don't love it. I don't really like it. Uh, and I'm glad that the Wizards weren't in on a three-year, you know, 90, you know, what, high 80s, 87, something like that, million-dollar contract for DeRozan. But he comes in at six, and then you're right with this, with this bunch, uh, seven, eight, nine. I had Toronto. Uh, again, I just – I like what Masai Ujiri does with Toronto. They know who they are. They've got the Van Vliet. They've got Siakam as kind of their headliner there. So it's, it is a down, it is a tier down from some of these other teams that don't have uh, multiple all-stars or multiple or an MVP like Embiid. But I think, and we'll get into the rankings a little bit later, but I think OG Ananobi healthy. Again, the, the best ability is availability. OG Ananobi healthy could take another step. So you've got Siakam and, and Ananobi and then Gary Trent Jr., who really came on, signed his, signed his extension. I know a lot of folks are, are – or websites are penciling in Ken Birch as their starting center, and maybe he is just on the way that they're going to balance out their roster. But that Kyle Lowry deal brought back Precious Achua, who was out of Memphis, drafted by Miami, looked decent at Miami. He looks like he's got a lot more skills, again, than a center. He looks like that 
we were hoping for and what Miami was hoping for when they got him in that bam out of bio mode of he can do a lot of things. He can lead a break. Uh, so it'll be interesting if, if you, and like I did, I kind of pencil precious in there and then you look at that team. All right. Maybe they, maybe they're susceptible inside, but man, they can, they can score. They can, they've got shooting. They, you know, they're going to defend. So that's kind of why I went Toronto at six and then Boston with again, Tatum, who's, up there in, in terms of, I think he just missed out. Uh, he's one of the top post getters who wasn't on the all NBA team. Jalen Brown was an all-star. Uh, and then it gets a little murkier after that. They got Schroeder on a great deal uh, from the Lakers. 5.9 million is a, is a great deal to get, but 16, 17 and six, maybe out of Schroeder. So you like the three Marcus smart kind of penciled in there. Cause he's, he's like the old standard in Boston. Now you can't have starting five without Marcus smart. And then whether it's, Robert Williams, who again is an availability concern, or Horford, who's a nice pickup and just kind of steady. Uh, that Jalen and Tatum at the top, again, kind of outrank the Knicks for me, even though I know Kemba put up 19 last year uh, in Boston, but it's still Julius Randle is still their marquee. RJ Barrett's not there yet, although I, I give him a ton of credit because he's, he's very much ascending and looked better than I thought he would, and then I, I was wondering about his shooting. It looks like his shooting's coming around. So Randall, and then Barrett, and Kemba, and then you, okay, what, how are they going to, Fournier, all right, again, are we putting, are we putting another high-priced wing in Barrett's way, as opposed to, like, making sure that he's getting what he needs in terms of shots and, and putting the offense. I love the Kemba piece of taking some of that scoring off of him, but then throwing Fournier, too, in that starting five, and then are we getting too close to R.J. Barrett sliding to the corner and being that concern of like he's, he's now a fourth option as opposed to and, – and maybe this is something that uh, Tom Thibodeau works out by bringing Fournier off the bench and just having another maybe a 3D guy come in because then that would strengthen their bench a lot more. And then you, you, you assume Mitchell Robinson is their starting center, again, if healthy. If not, it's Taj Gibson. So, again, you can see how those, these last two in that Boston and New York kind of fade as they get to four and five. They could still work on a basketball level. They can still absolutely uh, put in work, but you start to see how they are a little lower uh, than some of those other teams with those MVPs and, and the multiple all-stars. I actually have Indy 10th uh, just because again, they're that four, I think is a stronger four and they've been playing together with uh, it'll be Brogdon, Lavert, Sabonis and Turner. If they do wind up starting Turner and Sabonis together, Warren's hurt again. We don't know who's going to be that three, uh, they had some free agent pickups. Uh, so we'll have to see if they don't kind of go with a 3D just to fill there. But just that, you know, that, the Brogdon Sabonis uh, Turner piece. And I'm a big Karis Levert fan. I'm, I'm so glad that, you know, that trade happened and he was able to get healthy because I think he would have been a great pickup. I thought he was slept on by the Rockets who didn't want him in that uh, in the Harden deal. So they, that's why Indianapolis and Indiana was brought into it was to get more assets. And, and that wound up being Oladipo that they, they got a first round pick for Oladipo. So uh, that's, and that's where we get to Washington uh, at 11 uh, in terms of starting five. And I think it's more so just because it's not because we didn't worry about the talent. We see the talent. It's what does it look like when they all come together? How do these pieces work together? And this is a roster that's been turned over again. You know, I feel like just last offseason, we were talking about, wow, this roster has been completely churned, right? It's like Bryant and Beal were two that had stuck around, and Rui, because we drafted him, were the longest tenured Wizards at that point. And now we've almost done it again. Well, besides those guys, 
you know, Coach Unseld has to put this a unit together somehow, you know, to get started that can defend together, which I think is the hardest point for the one-on-one defense is a little overrated in my opinion. They got to have a team defense. They've got to defend and rebound. That's another reason why I have uh, Rui and Kuzma in my starting five for the Wizards. So I think Gafford, Rui, Kuzma is their best opportunity to kind of start on the, on the bigger side, rebound, and then we know all those guys can score one way or another. So I think that comes a little bit more naturally. That's where these pickup games and these pre-camp camps that everyone sets up comes into play where they can kind of play off each other. Uh, but it'll be the defense for me. So that's where I come up to to the Wizards at 11. Nice. Yeah, I hope I hope you don't get booed too much, you know, from this at 11. But no, that that is realistic. You know, I mean, um, I the only the only difference I really had, I, I have the Wizards at 10. So we only have like a one team difference there. I have I have the Raptors at 12. Um, and I know earlier you mentioned the Tar Heels. You know, I, I am a Maryland Terps guy. So, you know, we do have a old school rivalry there. But um, I got the, I got the Raptors at 12. Um, I, I do like. I like I like Siakam. I do like Van Vliet, and um, Gary Trent Jr. is really good too. He 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 hit that game winner against us last year. He's definitely killed us a lot of times in the past. Um, but I just think, and you know, it could be it could be uh, Precious or it could be Christian Boucher. But I didn't I didn't really see them improve this much that much. But I think the big advantage for them is that they're not going to be playing in Florida. Exactly. And that's that's gonna what I was going to say. Yeah. No one had to fight what they had to fight like last year playing away. Everyone had COVID season. No one had to be completely away from home. And, and, they, and I think it showed, I think that's going to show as, a, and as an aberration for a lot of players and that people shouldn't, shouldn't look too harsh on some of the folks that were down. Uh, Cause the NBA travel schedule is hard enough, but last season, the, the Raptors it's, it's off the charts. So I completely agree on that. Yeah, so it's tough for them. The Pacers, they do have a good roster. Sabonis is an all-star. You can, you can argue that he has potential to be an all-NBA player. I mean, the guy was getting triple-doubles as a big. Uh, Karis LeVert, like you mentioned, played with Spencer Dinwiddie. I think those, both of those guys are go-getters on the court. Uh, T.J. Warren, he's a wild card. Malcolm Brogdon is, is really good, too. So they do, they do have a good team. They got Rick Carlisle this year. Um, I think you can interchange the Wizards and the Pacers. I actually do have – the Pacers above the Wizards starting lineup just because I, I feel like uh, Sabonis and Miles Turner, I think that that star power with Sabonis and Malcolm Brogdon and Levert, and if TJ Warren is healthy, I think it's just better than the guys right now. We're still waiting on Rui to develop a little bit. Um, Dinwiddie is coming back from the injury. Of course, Bradley Bill. I love Daniel Gafford. I think if he does get the playing time, he's a, he's a double-double machine. The Knicks are interesting as well. Kimba's a great addition. Evan Fournier is a solid addition. Kemba, he's had knee problems recently as well. His shooting percentages have gone down. And then I just have questions about the Knicks, of course, when they get to the playoffs. You know, can they hit shots? Can they make shots? They really struggled against the Atlanta Hawks um, in that series, losing 4-1 to with home credit advantage. Um, like you said, R.J. Barrett, um, him and Julius Randle, they're both left-handed players. You know, they, they both of them need to work on their right hands, of course, to get more of an offensive repertoire there. But Julius Randle was the most improved player last year. Um, so they got a good roster. The Bulls, too. I just think the Wizards have a better starting five matchup-wise, better than the Raptors. Um, I think Kuz and Rui can match up well against Pascal Siakam. Um, I think Dinwiddie can match up pretty well against Van Vliet as well. Bradley Bill, I think he's the best player out of on, on the court when we play against the Raptors. I mean, he's going to be the best player on the floor when we play a lot of teams in the Eastern Conference as well. Um, so I, I like that matchup, too. 
And it's just it's going to be a dogfight, really. I mean, this indicates just how much of a dogfight it's going to be for that playing spot, for that eight, nine, ten seed. It's, it's going to be hard to get there. We, I mean, and you can even throw in the Hornets, the Charlotte Hornets. You know, they got they got Lamelo Ball, um, Miles Bridges, Gordon Hayward, Terry Rozier. Uh, they added Plumlee, so it, it's just going to be really, really tough. But I do like the Wizards. The benches, I think the Wizards have a top bench in the league, of course, with Montrezl Harrell coming off the bench, sixth man of the year. And uh, Davies Bertans, being, if Davies Bertans can get back to his former self from 2020, you know, that's a great shooter right there. I mean, let's, we got to be honest about Bertans, too. He still shot it like crazy, right? He still shot it. He, he just wasn't, like, lights out. Uh, you know, maybe it wasn't full laser. Um, it was only the partial laser. We had the microwave a little bit, but he still shot like 39.5 from three. It just wasn't, you know, to be up to his his own standard. It was clearly not up to his own standard, plus the COVID, plus the team shut down, which cost him four games, in my opinion, because um, no one else, every everybody lost games. No one else lost 13 days or whatever it was to, to COVID, and no one had to come back with like eight healthy players just because the NBA was like, we need to keep this moving. Right. So I think I think Bertans is due absolutely due for a bounce back. He had it's it's also helpful for the NBA that he's he's healthy now, but he also had some international play in in August. So he's not going into those international games out of shape. Uh, we know that's that's not how guys most take those games. So I think that's kind of helpful. It's like he already had a reason to get in shape. It's like it's like preparing for a race and, and right and knowing you got a, a hot date coming up. You want to be in shape for the race, but it also helps knowing that you want to fit in uh, to your best outfit. So he kind of like was ready for that. Um, I completely, I had Charlotte next. So you're right. I think ball and Rozier Rozier is a, is really nice and how he can kind of play a two almost off the ball when they need him to, but he can defend point guard. So Lamel doesn't have to, I think the question becomes those next, that next tier of guys. Is it miles bridges? Uh, PJ Washington is, is popular, but he's kind of, He's a catch and shoot. He'll rebound. He's kind of a glue guy. So you're not really, you know, I don't put him too high. And then Plumlee, I've always liked his passing, but he always, he's always, you know, he kind of plays with this, like, what was that? What did he just do? Like, what just happened there? Like, I I like him as a player. I like, I like big men who can pass. And so he's always kind of been on a radar for me Uh, going back to, you know, when we had teams that did more out of the mid post, which I think we'll see West do out of more of um, with Denny, if not some other guys, uh, but you're right. I think, and don't roast me too hard with this nation because it's just for right now. Um, you're right. I probably did rank uh, a team that, you know, with an all NBA player and be a, a little low. So I'm, maybe I'm cutting against my own bias there because Rui, I think is the stage is set. Same thing. Had his Olympics uh, was strong there. Kind of like you can get a little break, but then come right back into the league. You're not off for so long that you're going to lose what you've gained and what he gained and, and how he was shooting towards the end and what we know of him from freshman year at Gonzaga through to, to his rookie year is that he puts in the work. Uh, I think that's one uh, kind of a, an aspect of what Tommy Shepard is doing that we don't talk a lot about. But when he goes out and gets guys, whether it was, you know, I think technically Ernie grabbed uh, Thomas Bryant off waivers, but, uh, but Tommy is the one who extended him. And and Thomas Bryant is known for work. So even when he was injured, it was like, okay, we don't, we don't have to think as much. We don't have to worry about what he's going to be as much because we know Thomas Bryant's going to put in the work. We know Denny's going to put in the work. Uh, for all we've seen, uh, and Rui is what I meant as well. So we know we have workers. We, we see Beal completely change his body over the last few years as he continues to change his game 
as well. So don't roast me too hard. I, I might have gone a little biased <laughs> down, um, but it's just just for now. And uh, we're talking starting fives. The Wizards went out and made that deal for Russell Westbrook and sent him to the Lakers in exchange for three players that the deal wound up bringing five players back, six if we start counting the draft picks that became Isaiah Todd. So, you know, they gave up a, a triple-double machine and a Hall of Fame player and an all-NBA player, regardless of whether they voted him there or not, because he led the league in assists and was like top five in rebounding. What are we doing, voters? Um, but we, we gave that up as a starter in exchange for Dinwiddie, who's still going to start, and we're going to hope that he can do what he does for $19 million instead, and now also have Kuzma and KCP and Harrell. Right. So we knew we knew that was the deal is our starting five is going to get a little weaker. But again, maybe it doesn't if some of our starting five throughout the year could potentially be a Wagner or or Garrison Matthews, who I don't think is even on an exhibit 10 deal yet. I don't know that he's signed anywhere. He's an interesting case. Uh, Wagner's in Orlando, which because they drafted his brother, I assume. So it'll be interesting to see if he can hold on. But I had I had Charlotte, then Detroit, uh, Detroit. You've got Cade. Um, I like Killian Hayes. I don't. He was hurt, so I don't. He kind of gets an incomplete. But if you've got Cade and you've got Jeremy Grant, Sadiq Bay was good for a rookie. Uh, we'll just put that caveat in. Rookies are not supposed to be great. Uh, they're not supposed to be even good defensively. They, they literally won't help you much defensively. But Sadiq Bay was good at that level. And then if they, I assume they're going to start Isaiah Stewart, who's just a workhorse, and then bring Kelly Olynyk off the bench. So that's that's a pretty good start when you've got Caden and Grant as, again, those headliners. Uh, Cleveland could go a lot of different ways. I assume they're going to start marketing with Jared Allen to provide some space for all of those guards to work. So they could gel and they could be better. Uh, but as a starting five, I had them at 14. And then Orlando, even though Jalen Suggs uh, is one of my favorites, I think he sees the game uh, in a special way with some of the things that he was doing at Gonzaga. But regardless of who they throw out there with him, if it's uh, Fultz coming back from injury who, you know, we just got to keep rooting for Markel Fultz, right? We got to keep rooting. Come on, like keep coming, keep putting the work in. Uh, we have Fultz. We had uh, is, you know, it depends on for Orlando. If Robin um, is on the roster. Oh, Robin, Lowe, Captain Hook is on the roster. Um, Isaac, if he's going to be healthy, uh, they have, a, they have Bamba. They have Wendell Carter Jr. They like, what else are they going to do at center? So all of a sudden you're like, okay, everybody likes their pieces and everybody likes like, as long as you're not, as long as you're not in charge of winning, right. As long as you're not getting paid or not paid on whether you win a lot right now in Orlando, you're like, Oh, it's a nice roster. Um, but in terms of just that starting five, you're like, okay, you know, someday maybe. Um, but that's my, that's my Eastern conference. How do you finish out? Ed? Right. I, I agree with the bottom tier. Um, I think the, the magic Pistons and Cavaliers are at the bottom tier. I do like Evan Mobley a lot. Um, unfortunately, you mentioned Kelly Olenek in one of the lineups, you know, one of the Wizards villains there. Uh, but uh, I, I just – in going back to the Wizards, I think they you, – you could argue for them. I think the highest you can go for the Wizards probably is the eighth best, and you have to have a strong argument for it. Now, this upcoming season, I, this will be a huge measuring stick for Rui's development to see him go up against Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and some of the better small forwards or the swingmen or the wings in the league. So it will be interesting to see him go up against those guys, even Siakam as well. It will be interesting to see him uh, go up against those matches. So I am intrigued to see that. Um, like I said, again, the Knicks are, are seventh or eighth. You, you can interchange all these teams, but once you get in that bottom tier, 
Um, you can kind of just group them all together. The 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 Hornets. The Hornets are better. They're, I think they're a lot better than the the Pistons, of course, and the Magic, and the uh, Cavaliers. You, they're all most, all those teams are just rebuilding teams. Jalen Suggs, I like him a lot. I think he's a good draft pick. Evan Mobley, I, I really like this draft class class a lot. Kate Cunningham, I like all the top five picks. Um, the Magic added Franz, Franz Wagner to come to uh, to play with Mo Wagner, so it, it will be interesting. It's going to take a long time for the Magic to come back and rebuild. It's going to take. I think both all three of those teams are probably two to three uh, years away with their starting fives and backups and their lineup. So. Um, but yeah, I think we're kind of in the same boat. I just had the Wizards one or two spots ahead of where you had them. I have them that starting five, and I do have them making the plan. I'm not sure about you. Uh, where do you have them finishing? What's your prediction with the Washington Wizards? Prediction-wise, I think they're going to be a playoff team. Uh, again, I think there's when you start predicting, you're like, how many? Where did, it's constants versus variables. And math is not my strong suit, but I understand those two things: constants and variables. And the constant is Beal, and okay, and then and then some other pieces. KCP is a constant. We they know what they're going to get from him. All of a sudden, we start working into a lot of variables. Are are we getting a twenty and seven and three Spencer Dinwiddie? If we are, okay, then that puts them a lot further along because they do not have a lot of other options when it comes to playmaking. Uh, Holiday isn't known for that. Neto is kind of the, a little two guard where he's going to get his, but he's not someone who's going to say, okay, now go run a pick and roll. And, and create an advantage against a defense that causes a rotation. You don't see that a lot about from Neto. So I think Dinwiddie's a hinge is one of their, those variables. Rui, he takes a step forward. If, and all of these things are possible. We keep saying if. It's all very possible. Rui can step up. Kuzma can step up. Um, Kuzma can, you know, if he gets hot, can pass Rui at least in the immediate future in terms of who they're looking at on a nightly basis to be like, maybe if they're looking at top three scorers, Kuzma might wind up getting more shots um, than Rui. And again, that's kind of, as I looked at my starting five, I was like, who are these young guys who maybe they might be too many people in front of them? Like, are we putting too many people in front of RJ Barrett in terms of, of ranking? Um, but that's why the, the Wizards for me, they're a playoff team, whether it's play in, I think their goal should, you know, they should absolutely be shooting for home court. They should be trying to get, and, and thinking in terms of, of that four seed, um, because if you don't, and we saw last year, it feels like the Wizards are often like, hey, we know, just make the playoffs. And so it's like, all right, we're going to burn all, our, all of our fuel and to make the playoffs, get into the playing games, even as an eight seed, and then wind up in that Philly series. And it's like, oh, man, all right, we, got, we had a shot at game one. We took a game to make it a gentleman's sweep in five. But otherwise, it just looked like Philly had answers. Right. So I think this this roster provides more counters to those playoffs. It's just we got to get there and we've got a lot of variables. So I think prediction wise, I'm going to put them. I probably put them as again as the eight seed. So I think they, they outperform where a lot of, you know, I think a lot of outlets have them projected, whether it's a Vegas line or whether it's ESPN, whatever it might be, have them as an as under 500. I think for the year, that's could potentially be so. I think they're going to be right there. They could easily, you know, 42, 45 wins. They could go 38, uh, depending on how things go. Again, the whole giant roster turnover, brand new coach, uh, rookie coach, although he's been in the league for, for decades, right? Uh, he's, been in the, he's been in the NBA since he was a child, right? And so so he's, he's been around, but he's still got to get all these guys who haven't played together. And so often we're comparing 
uh, him or we're going to compare these wizards to what the nuggets were doing. And it, that's a roster that the core had been together for six years. And since he'd been there, he'd work with all of them over that stretch. Can we defend? Can we rebound? I think the other pieces take care of themselves. That takes a while to gel defensively. If you look back and I'll bring up some more Tar Heels, you know, Larry Brown, that was his big thing. If I can get everyone on a string defensively, I, we'll figure out the offense because we, because you can, the rules are such that the NBA, the NBA rules are such they're opening lanes for people and, and making it so that offense is there, you know, and I think we'll be more efficient with it this year. It's can, how quickly can they become a good defensive team and how quickly can they rebound? Well, because if they can do those two things, then that earlier part of the season looks much better because the early parts when they're going to be feeling their way through. And it's kind of, if you compare it to some of these early NFL games where you're like, Possession to possession, they look like different teams. You're just like, just get some points. Just stay in the game. Give yourself a chance at the end. Right. Give yourself a chance at the end in the NBA, and it's Bradley Beal instead of a kicker. So you're really looking at it and like, all right, I feel good with our chances going in the last few minutes with Beal and Dinwiddie as a guy who can draw fouls. And I think that was something that was missing And over the past few years from our team is just kind of that next-level knowledge of, Getting a, getting a defender on tilt so that you can get him on your hip and get a foul out of him because that's going to increase, increase everyone's scoring efficiency. Yeah, scoring efficiency is getting those fouls called. That's something that Rui still has to learn. It's something that most of the young guys still have to learn. But Dinwiddie is great at it, and I think that's going to be huge in close games. He is, yeah. And I definitely want to get to Dinwiddie uh, before we do. And I'm going to give my take a little bit. I'm, I'm kind of like teetering every day. I change my mind on where I think the Wizards are going to finish. Um, but before we get into that, this episode is brought to you by Bill Bar. Uh, my favorite cookie is the cookies and cream. They have coconut, cherry, barcia, raspberry, mint, brownie, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, and German chocolate. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you'll get two of the each. Other nine flavors, not only are Bill Bar flavors the best tasting, but they are healthy too. Check out the macros. 17 to 18 pro- grams of protein. Calories range from 130 to 180. Only 45 grams of sugar and only 45 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty and all healthy. Order today and get the grasshopper cookie or raspberry or whatever you like. Bill Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. Track and Field team. Go to Bill.com and use promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Bill.com. This episode is also brought to you by Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing. and You can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news from the NBA and NFL and all your UFC uh, or MMA action before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online is your online sportsbook experts. The promo code is locked on. All right, my take I, I have them, I can see them being the eighth, ninth, or tenth. I can see them. I think their ceiling is sixth, and the floor is about the 11 seed in the East. I, I could see them finishing anywhere between. I think their depth got a lot better. They improved on that, and that's going to be huge in the Eastern Conference. You saw all the injuries. I don't, I'm not banking on injuries or anything like that, but you just saw all the injuries that happened in the NBA last year. They have guys that they can swap. They have a, pl- a platoon of fives or uh, a group of five guys that they can throw in from the bench. I think we should have one of the top ten benches in the – NBA. We had a good bench last year. Robin Lopez with the hook shot and Ish Smith coming off the bench. Uh, Berton's hitting shots here and there. And then Bradley Bill just being that all NBA player. If he plays uh, like he did last year and brings the shoot percentage up and Wes Unsell's able to get these guys locked in defensively, then that's where I can see them hitting that ceiling of 
the sixth seed. And last year, nobody thought the Knicks were going to be the fourth seed. So you just never know. That's my optimism on the Wizards. We'll see if the coaching improvement, the ball movement, handling the ball, if Denny makes that leap, Rui makes that leap. Um, and Spencer Dinwiddie, we're going to get to him right now. You know, he's going to have the keys to the car. I mean, Bradley Bill has the keys to the car. But, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie is in, in, is in the passenger seat driving, driving the car or in, in, the, in the Wizards' car. You know, they are – both of them are going to be the head of the snake. They're going to be that dynamic duo, dynamic backcourt uh, that we're looking for for Spencer Dinwiddie. And he's, he's actually going to be, you know, the, the Nets, he came off the bench and then guys got hurt, Kyrie got hurt, and um, he was the leader. But now this time, you know, the Wizards – this is a team that's expecting him to come in and be a leader. And we're going to talk about quickly, um, you know, where he was ranked in the ESPN – uh, top 100 he was ranked at 68 and uh john do you think that's a, a little too high or a little low for spencer Dinwood? you know i that's pretty good considering you know after he missed a full season and and the beginning of his season last year wasn't going so great so it, very few games but still uh so i think that's that's pretty fair considering um the rankings themselves it looks like they kind of pick and choose when defense matters so I think his his defense isn't always considered special. It's more so that they're that we're kind of hopeful about his defense given his size, and and knowing that you know Russ could find his way away from his defensive man and, and lapse because you know he's such a phenomenal athlete that he winds up playing free safety whether it's that's the role for him or not. But um, so I, I think that was actually pretty fair because uh, it's it's still tucked in ahead of some players that were doing uh, doing. I mean they have. He's higher than Kemba, and, and it's still, again, Kemba was, what, 19-5 and five last year. So if you're coming in ahead of that, that looks pretty good to me. Uh, uh, what did you think about it? Yeah, it's interesting. I'm looking at it right now. They have, yeah, like you said, being above Kemba was somewhat of a surprise for me, especially him coming off the ACL injury. And, uh, you know, Kemba has had, you know, down years, you know, recently because, because of his knee injuries. Um, so that was interesting. He's above Aaron Gordon. He's right behind Bogdan Boyanovich from the Jazz. I think he's better than Michael Bridges from the Suns. He's 66. I think Spencer Dinwiddie is better than that. And the year before, Spencer Dinwiddie was actually ranked 49. So that was pretty good. You know, came off that 20 points and seven assists per game uh, season where he, you know, Kobe Bryant said that, you know, he was an all-star in his book. So, I mean, Spencer Dinwiddie had a, had a great year that year. And I, I think they're projecting it too as well. Um, like I said before, you know, he's going to get more touches and they act, he's going to be a franchise guy. You know, he's going to be – this will be the first time where I feel like, you know, he played with D'Angelo Russell. He played with Karis LeVert, where it's really just going to be two guys sharing the basketball. Um, you know, of course, West wants more ball movement, but I think this is a team, the Wizards are looking for Spencer, Spencer Dinwiddie to be that guy, you know. So uh, it will be – I think it's more of a projection, too. You look at Kimball with the Knicks, they got a lot of guys with um, yeah. Yeah. Julius Randle, Mitchell Robinson, and Evan Fournier, RJ Barrett. So they're going to be fighting over the basketball. I feel like this team, you kind of know what everybody's role is going to be. Spencer Dinwiddie's going to have a huge role. Where I think he averaged 20 points when he was healthy. I think he can he can get to 23, maybe even 24. And if he has, I think his peak would would be 25. I, I could I could I could go on a limb and say if he has a great season and stays healthy and uh, shoots better from the three point line and gets to the basket, like you said earlier, he got to the free throw line a lot. Seven free throw attempts per game. That's a lot of free throws. So um, I, I could see him, you know, I think his peak would be 25 points a game. I could see it. And like you said, Tommy Shepard um, said he, they, they want Spencer to co-lead the team. Uh, I think it makes sense from a lot. I, I think it makes sense from how he handles the ball. I think it makes sense how he scores, uh, how the team is built. Uh, but, yeah, so I thought, I thought that's, a, that's a fair ranking. And in terms of, like, how many other number two options 
are you know below him. There's not a lot of number two options right. um, below him in this ranking. So you could see how, yes, 49 the year before dropping because of injury, but he could easily jump back up um, into into a higher this this next tier or more, like you said, because if his shooting efficiency goes up, if he starts just it's it's so wild that you're like over the course of the season, 20 extra made threes out of out of 200 or so or 250. That's a huge change in, like you said, all of a sudden he's a 22 point scorer. He's a 24 point scorer. Uh, I, I think that's going to be huge for them. Either way, I, I, again, he's kind of like that swing. Um, the other rankings that I was looking at, just like I was saying, like they kind of pick and choose where defense matters. You got Andrew Wiggins at 77, and I know mm. he's been dealt. He's been like looked at as this like contract that just gets included in trades. Meanwhile, he put up one of the best like two way seasons for him. Like he's, his defense is there now. He's scored 18 a game. He's shooting 38% from three. Like he could always, he always had a little bit of a bag to, to get into and, and show you something and get a shot off at his height. And I think that's something that we're excited to see from Dinwiddie too at six, seven, that he can uh, six, 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 seven, he can create shots for himself. So that's even as I'm looking at my starting fives and going back, I'm like, all right, I'm up in Chris Middleton more as a gold medalist. And because he just, he can get his shot. So when I'm looking at this and saying, wow, they got Wiggins all the way down here. He's actually a two-way player now. Everyone just remembers him as what he isn't from being picked so high. But what it actually is he, what, 25, 26? Uh, and just, you know, he makes, he makes a lot of money. So we kind of tilt how we look at him. Um, but then you've got Dylan Brooks is kind of like right there in the same range. I'm like, that Dylan Brooks who shot like 30%, right? Like he's, he's known for being a fiery wing and he, and he got a lot of publicity in the playoffs for being a defensive player and what he was able to do to Steph Curry. Um, but he, he doesn't shoot very well. Like even when those Dylan Brooks rumors came up for the wizards, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, let's look at, let's, let's do a deep dive here. Oh, he's not shooting very well. He's right. like, you're kind of like, okay, as long as he shoots three percentage points better, you're like, whoa, 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 hang on. We, that's, that's a big jump. Um, so that was one of the other ones that stuck out to me where they're, besides Dinwiddie and liking where he was and his prospects, was there anyone else as you were going through these rankings that were just like, wait, wait, how, how did he end up right here? Yeah. So I'm looking at it right now. I think Joe Harris might be a little too high. You know, I know he's a heck of a shooter, um, but he's kind of one dimensional. He's, he's ranked at 75 and I, you know, I like Virginia too. Shout out to the Cavaliers. Um, but <laughs> But yeah, shake he, my he, head. No, how was that football game? Uh, Fifty nine or what? Okay. Being, um, a specialist, a three point specialist. You know, he, he's above uh, Andrew Wiggins. He's above Kate Cunningham. Got some love. He's seventy six. Dylan Brooks is seventy eight. Uh, I can see that because you know him being a three and D guy, and like you say, he, he had a great playoffs. He had a great play in, and the, it played pretty well in the playoffs as well. And just his defensive uh, prowess. I think he would have fit the Wizards. It just depends on what we would have had to give up for Dylan Brooks. Are we really willing to give up a first round pick and? I think the Grizzlies were playing hardball with Dylan Brooks. So what, is it really worth it to give up a first round pick and a young player for Dylan Brooks? I don't, I don't really agree with that. Um, Rosier's 81. I think that's about right. Um, but the other ones, John Wall's at 85. So they gave him some credit, yeah. you know, a lot of, there's been a lot of John Wall slander. So um, speaking of, speaking of taking a lot of shots, right. John Wall, they did get him in at 85. I don't know. I'm not exactly sure how Laurie Markkinen ended up at 82, 82 yes. after putting up, you know, 14 points and five rebounds. And I, he shot a lot better. That was the thing. If you, 
So that was the other thing. When marketing got his contract, I, I looked him up a little bit and did a little deeper dive. His best season was his second season, same as Kuzma. Uh, they both essentially were in the 13 range, 13 points a game and change, and five to six rebounds. So the Wizards have Kuzma, three more years of salary control at $13 million. The Cavs just had to pay uh, in terms of draft picks and, and Larry Nance Jr., and but also pay four years, $67 million to get Markin in, who's a better three-point shooter than Kuzma is right now. Um, but that makes that look the value of your players, too. You know, the, sometimes when we start looking at around the league and saying, what, what's this guy worth, uh, do, the, do the, that, that calculation on the money because it's a lot easier when you're saying, oh, both, and they're both this, they're roughly, roughly the same age, right? 24, 25, Kuzma might be 26 by now because uh, he always seems like a young guy who's been in the league longer than uh, he's been through some things since he was there pre-LeBron Lakers, so it's probably a little dated. But it's actually a really good comparison for the for Wizards and Wizards fan to look at that and say, "Oh, wait, uh, Kuzma's right there in terms of points. Like he could easily uh, outplay Markkanen, who's making a, a good bit more money." And again, I bring him up too because we know that that one the first call we don't think to Chicago before the trade deadline was for Daniel Gafford. Right? He was trying to use Troy Brown Jr. Tommy was to get a hold of marketing because hard about that too. Because he was right. He and because he it's like playing those odds, but he was right. Chicago didn't want to pay him. The new the new regime in Chicago. So the Billy Donovan uh regime and Karnasovis didn't want to pay him. So that's when you check in on and that's kind of the other deals that when you look around the league, like what could the Wizards be potentially in on down the road or at the trade deadline? I think they will be active. But you look at those guys who are going to be up for new contracts. So we know Tommy called for marketing. Marketing's coming in at 82. We wound up getting Kuzma on a better contract as part of the, the Westbrook trade, who may also outperform him. Um, but they're, they're eerily similar, when you, especially when you look at that, even their career. Again, second year is the year they had that bump, and then they kind of settle back in. And I think the Cavs are paying him, hoping that he goes back to that second year at 19 points a game and can keep the shooting efficiency up and, and shoot as well from three as he did. But it's a reason for the Wizards to like what they have, too, um, and think, oh, wait, you know, we could, again, preseason rankings, postseason rankings, could easily see a few more Wizards in this 50 to 100 range. Right, yeah, I think Marcus Harrell, I know he was ranked last year because, you know, him being a six-man of the year, so he fell out of it. Kyle Kuzma might have been in there after that second season because, he, he, you know, he averaged 18 points a game, so he hasn't been in there since. And uh, we'll see if Rui can crack the top 100, you know, this upcoming season. So we're looking for some guys to take a leap. Of course, you know, we'll see where Bradley Billions up. He'll be in t- the top 20, top 15, uh, as he was an all-NBA player and all-star starter last, last season. So it will be interesting to see where he uh, ranks. But, uh, John, I want to thank you for coming on. But before we wrap up, this episode is brought to you by – make sure you guys check out Locked On Bets. Betting on the NBA or NFL doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q, and handicapping expert Lee Sterling get daily picks, law specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Best podcast brought to you by BetOnline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. And John, before we head out, just um, let everybody know um, if you have anything to plug or anything you got, anything you got coming up. Uh, contributing for for Bullets Forever, check out BulletsForever.com. They got uh, camp, like you said, media day on Monday. There's going to be a lot of content. Uh, I'll be I'll be everywhere, including the comments sections given my given my hot takes uh love to do this again with you ed thanks for having me thank you you have a good one everybody have a good one peace make sure you guys subscribe to locked on wizards make sure you follow locked on wizards on twitter at locked on wizards 
and uh, leave a five-star review and a question as well. Um, we are, we're, I have a mailbag episode coming up, so make sure you leave a review and a question. Everybody have a good one. Hail to the Wizards. Peace. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.